This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Welcome to the Mom Curious podcast, Michaela Ezra. I have looked forward to getting to know you better for years, actually. I was looking at our messages and I like contacted you, I think years ago, like, hey, your work is so beautiful. Do you have any interest in like, uh, like making a challah cover or something? I don't know what it was. Sounds about like, right. <laughs> that was like so long ago. Or I think I was interested in like a family tree. And I, and I was like, do you do any commissions? Anyway, I have been in love with your aesthetic and your artistic voice and heart and I for so long. And it's just such a pleasure to sit down and get to know you all the way in Australia from Brooklyn. Wow. How cool. Yeah, it's wild. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for those beautiful words. And uh, I think the beauty of Instagram is that as artists, we can connect to one another and we can find one another, which we probably, you know, we didn't do when I was living very close to you in Manhattan. It was only in this online space that we had that opportunity, which is the magic of that portal, really. And this portal even, like, what time is it um, in Australia right now? Uh, it's 9 a.m. 9 a.m. by you. It's yes. 5 p.m. Are we even in the same day? No, we are not. I'm tomorrow. The world still exists. Everything's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm yesterday. And honestly, it's going pretty good. Good. It's okay. Yeah. Um, wow. What a trip, huh? It really is. It really is. So the first time that I actually was introduced to your work was when I was, was sponsoring in OA, which is Overeaters Anonymous. It's a 12-step program for like binge eating and whatever else. Yes. And one of my sponsees who guested on the show, she's amazing. Her, her name is uh, Michelle. Um, and she gifted me a deck of cards. Wow. And it was your deck in collaboration with Gabby Bernstein. Yes. And for years when I lived in the West Village, your heart and art were just plastered all over my walls. Oh my goodness. Wow. That is so beautiful. I, I'm always blown away when I hear that the art finds its life in someone else's home. And that it was in the West Village because the West Village is such a part of my story as well. And really? it was gifted to you. That's so generous. I mean, that's, a, that's beautiful. Well, how is the West Village so much part of your story? Well, I lived in on the border of like West Village and Chelsea. I lived on West 14th Street for many years. Uh, that was my, they were my first homes in New York. And then my husband and I lived in the West Village together until we, um, until the very, very end, the ninth month of my pregnancy when I moved with my first child to Chelsea. And it's just, for me, it just had this incredibly strong, energetic pull. I met so many of the most important people in my life in the West Village. It just it was very, really a serendipitous place for me. So yeah, I, I love it there. Where That's were you so living? Cool. I was on Barrow and Hudson. Oh, amazing. Amazing. My son, my, that was my son's first home, Barrow oh. and 
very special place with your cards all over my home. Blessing my space every day. I, look, I, I think you, you probably find this through your work and through this podcast, but to create something in your home in a really intimate space, which is the love pouring out of your heart onto paper or through word or through movement, and then to know that that resonates with someone else and it finds its own resonance in their intimate space and it carries its own language and its own life force beyond the walls of your, like the parameters of your home where it was created. It's mind blowing. It's, I I mean, that is the biggest gift to an artist to know that their work has life outside the bounds of where it was created. And that's just one piece of your uh, major portfolio. If you could actually introduce yourself to the audience um, and let us know who you are as it stands today, in this moment, at 9 a.m. tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, I'm a mom. You know, I'm a mom who has returned from the most inspiring and beautiful week, uh, and it's the first time that I left my children. uh, My eldest daughter is eight, so I have an eight-year-old, Aaliyah, six-year-old, Charlie, and two-year-old, Emmanuel, two daughters and a son. And I grew up in Sydney, where I'm living now, but at 24, I packed my bags and a portfolio. I had finished studying fashion in Australia, commerce and fashion, and I was determined to get a job in New York City. And so off I went with a bag of my colorful samples and a portfolio and knocked on doors. And uh, one thing led to another. And against the odds, I, I found a position as a women's wear designer at Cynthia Steffi in New York. She was um, at the time, a major contemporary women's wear designer in that space. And, uh, and so there, that began my journey in New York and where I thought I was going there just for a job. I discovered 15 years into my stay there that I really had gone for life experience and a life journey. It was where I met my husband. It was where I started my family. It was where my, my spiritual uh, learning and understanding was was nourished and exploded, and and so I I spent 15 years in this city, which for me was so rich and so dense and gave me so much. So I started my time there in fashion, and then after I got married, I, I needed a break from that, and so I saw that in the new space in which I didn't know what I wanted to do, I didn't know if I would start my own label or if I would go back to work for someone else. But I started to receive illustration requests. And so my career as an illustrator really unfolded in that time. And also, I mean, this is a, a sub story, which is my um, my spiritual learning, my exposure to Jewish spiritual teachers, secular spiritual teachers, you name it, was was offered since I landed in New York. And and that uh, gave rise to, you know, a new education or a deepening education, which has then informed my life and informed my own development and my own practices and my own teachings. So here we are. Wow. Here we are. During COVID, my family and I relocated back to Australia, not intending for it to be permanent. And my answer is that we're here for now. We're here for now. Um, 
I am working both as an illustrator. I created a Judaica brand named Iron Judaica, which is a collection of predominantly textiles, but I work with artisan communities in indigenous realms in uh, Mexico. And I also work with a team in India now to create these different textiles, which we use for Shabbat, which we use for Chagim festivals. And, and my sort of third stream of, um, creativity is now as a spiritual teacher of, of, uh, Judaism and in motherhood. And yeah, this is, I mean, I feel Daniela, that was like a winding weaving path of many things. And there were so many facets left out, but we'll, we'll get, we'll get there. there. And something that I'm learning more and more in these conversations is just that like, that's the path of the feminine. You know, if we were like, and I think every being has a feminine essence, as we all know, it's not male or female necessarily, but if we were masculine beings, you probably would say, um, I was born in Sydney. I, I was going to be a fashion designer. I was a fashion designer in Sydney. It's nice to meet you. And that would have been totally valid and exciting. And I'd still be down to talk. (laughs) Right, right. But that's not the way. And you know what? But that's not the way. That's not the unfolding of the feminine heart. It's just not. Mm. I'm learning. It's so true. It's like maybe if we see each ourselves, I got this vision as you were speaking of, of a flower with the petals and the petals are all overlapping. So if I peel back one petal to reveal something to you, it's connected to another petal and then another part of myself is revealed. But they, they don't fall off the flower in like a really um orderly yeah. way you, they they're all interconnected so there are parts of your story that are revealed in any one moment and they link to something else and something else nature's amazing that way right like the fact that the mm. that each and every flower is orchestrated such that the petals can be ripped off or fallen off independently and that the rest can still exist. It's really incredible. Yes, yes. The, the sacred ge- geometry of nature. And is, we're yeah. not separate from that. I was speaking to a doctor the other day. He's a pediatrician who talks about um, plastic and what's, what plastic is doing yes. both to our bodies, our little baby bodies, our adult bodies, and also the planet body. It's all one thing. <laughs> you know, we, yes. we like to, you know, we like to believe or operate as if they're separate, but it's all the same. When we talk about a flower, when we talk about you, Michaela, it's the same, same. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's wild. And today we say we talk about motherhood and spirituality, and that is the biggest gift that we can give our children is to realize that we're all interconnected in this way. And what happens to me affects what happens to every member of my family and then society and then the world and how I behave is interconnected with the ripple effects, you know, beyond me. So I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm fascinated to hear more about what this doctor has to say about plastics and the earth. You'll, you'll, we'll, we'll publish the episode and it'll be, it'll be great. You know, I, I try very hard to, um, you know, to dance with some of the like heavier bits of 
um, our our life, you know, like modern life, you know, with um, yes, an even yes. hand. And um, yeah, I I I hope that at least it's solution based. At least, and and I find I find what you put out into the world to be reverent of the darkness and always um, considering the light. When you hop on to um, Instagram and you share your art or you share a little bit about your children, not so much, but a little, you know, or about the Jewish experience, if you're going to, if you're going to touch on the darker bits of humanity, I always find that you try to balance with the light, not ignoring that there are hard things, but that our job is to at least work towards solutions. I think it's hopeful. I try to be hopeful. I try to see the best in the situation, the best in humanity. I would say I'm an optimist. And so we are all facing these grave realities around us the suffering of people in our midst, the suffering of the planet, the responsibilities that we have. And, and to, to sit in that hardship and that sorrow won't help us to move forward because we have to feel the pain of that reality, but use our hope and our optimism and our prayer and our trust and our faith to climb forward to the next step to make the next right action so that we can hopefully hopefully relieve that for ourselves and for others. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I'm curious about your spiritual journey in New York. It's so funny to me because as you were talking like, you know, I was born and raised in New York. I could cry just thinking about it. Like this is my home. And mm-hmm. um you know, my parents are Israeli and and so I have a lot of, of a deep connection to the land of Israel, but like I'm a real New Yorker and I I don't know that New York has gotten the best rap when it comes to anything, but particularly when it comes to um, finding the divine. Um, so to hear you say that you did find great spiritual learning here is so interesting to me because I think, you know, New York is is known for the land of creativity and opportunity and nightlife and maybe in COVID that's changed a lot, but I love, I love that you found your spiritual self in the West. Oh, wow. Daniela, that's yeah. I I'm, I'm blown away because for me, that was such a rich part of my reality in New York that I forget that for many people it's not, but I think that what you're describing is whatever you're looking for in New York City, you will find. Whatever you're drawn towards, if you want to immerse yourself in theater, it is the best theater in the world. You have the best acting schools and you can be so caught up in in that world and completely immersed. If you are looking to explore dance, it's there from an amateur level to a professional level, whatever you want, every class that you want from the Joffrey Ballet School to Five Rhythms to, you know, the best performers, it's there. And, and if you're an investment banker, I mean, there's your, there's your world. Everything's happening in New York. So no matter what your heart craves or what you're meant to find, 
you will be able to do it at the highest level, the most energetic level. And for me, I came thinking it was fashion. I went to work in the fashion industry and I was completely consumed by that reality. And then two things happened. I met in the West Village in the most serendipitous way, my my dear soul sister, Gabby Bernstein, and she introduced me to a world of of what I call universal spirituality, teachers like Marianne Williamson and Wayne Dyer and, and, you know, teachers of meditation. And that was the first time I was really exposed to meditation. And, and so I was hearing all of this, this spiritual talk, let's just say these ideas that I had never been exposed to before in Australia And at the same time, one uh, week, a friend of mine who was there from Australia took me to a lesson by a shiur, by an incredible rabbi. His name is Simon Jacobson. He's also from Brooklyn, from Crown Heights. And he, to backtrack, I had a very traditional modern Orthodox Jewish education in in Australia. It was, um, yes, it was at a Jewish, Jewish school. We were very... Um, culturally Jewish, traditionally Jewish, celebrated all the festivals, Friday nights. It was a very Zionistic school, so we learned all about Israel. But it wasn't spiritual. That wasn't in the dialogue. Even though it was in the heart and soul of many people teaching us, it, it wasn't the way the topic was approached. And so I went to the shiur with Rabbi Jacobson, and he was talking about the soul, about our essence, about our unique role. And it was just like a light bulb went off inside of me and I felt like this is the Judaism that I was missing. This is the Judaism that is speaking to my heart that I always felt connected to, but I didn't know was there. And, and through him and really through this rabbi's teachings, I became more and more curious and connected to these ideas and it all comes from Hasidut, which is was a branch of a Jewish um, lifestyle and mysticism, heavily influenced by Kabbalah and mysticism. But it's woven into your life, your everyday life. And so that was those those two pillars really shifted my experience of life and the world. And it was all happening while I was working, you know, 18-hour days in the fashion industry and there was all of this stress about fabrics and buttons and and that dynamic around me. And meanwhile, I'm in my spare moments Googling what what is the energy of the month, what is the story of the week from a Jewish perspective. There was a beautiful girl who worked with me who was Christian and we would come in on a Thursday and discuss She'd been to Bible class and I'd been to my Torah class and we were exchanging ideas. And this is all happening while the madness of the fashion world is around us. But already at that time in my mid-20s, the callings of my heart were really loud and and I was able to follow them over the past 15 years. So how did you follow up on that, those teachings, chassidut, mysticism? So just for the listener who may not know Jewish or not, not everyone does know this lineage. Yeah. Um, Chassidut is like the, the black hat, ultra-Orthodox, um, 
some people call it sect, but, you know, portion of the Jewish population, um, you know, not, it's not so um, common for a modern woman to be delving into um, these these ancient texts, particularly the Kabbalah, which from where I grew up was only for men 40 years and older. So it's a really interesting yeah. uh, sort of empowerment that you found your soul's calling. And in that calling, it was not necessarily, um, it just wasn't, it, it's not common that a woman would would delve in so deeply. And I'm wondering if you, how you got sort of access and, and a, a teacher of your own, they say, right? Like make your, find yourself a teacher. Who, who was your teacher and how did you, how did you move forward in this um, path? Yeah, look, it's, it's very gradual. We're having this in a five minute, you know, synopsis, this conversation, but I went to Rabbi Jacobson's lessons for many, many years. I continue to learn from him. And his gift is that he he draws these lofty spiritual concepts down into a way that feels very relevant, very modern, very secular. And I say secular in that it's not separate from our lives. It's not that I have a Jewish compartment or a spiritual compartment or a mystical learning and it's in a corner that I access once a week or once a month when I go to a lesson. This is something that's infused gradually into my day-to-day awareness, my day-to-day reality. And and it's very much connected and uh enmeshed within Jewish lifestyle practices. So it's not that I'm studying and not applying it. These these ideas come alive in my day-to-day life. So I, I learned really with Rabbi Jacobson for, for many years. He has Shirim and an amazing website called the Meaningful Life Center, which is available to anyone and everyone. And you do not have to be Jewish for this to feel relevant and meaningful. This is really how to live a meaningful life. That is what he teaches. And these, these spiritual ideas are infused in a way that's sometimes very obvious, sometimes very subtle. He talks a lot about the soul and the importance of us to connect to our soul and to understand its, its presence. And, and I, that's not unique to Judaism. That's across the board. You know, we are spirits having a physical experience. We are souls in a body and we were placed here for a reason. And we have important work to do, which is highly unique to us. And yet, if we can find that jewel within, if we can find that light and that soul and that spark within, we can see it in you. I can see it in you. I can see it in everyone I encounter. And so suddenly the the world around me has this spiritual light and this spiritual drumbeat that I wasn't aware of before. And, and I have value, an enhanced value for every human being I meet and their role on the planet and how essential it is for us to relate to each other in that way. It's so interesting. I, 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 you know, after a yoga class that will, you know, we'll say, we'll bow, right. And say namaste. And from my understanding, namaste means the light in me bows to the light in you. These are universal concepts. In um, sometimes they call it a pintalayid, like a like like a little pilot light. Yes. A pintalayid really means yeah. like a little Jew, but the um, idea is that there's a little pilot light that doesn't go out, 
And that light is the divinity within all of us. Mm. That's found in every yeah. culture. That's th- that's what I experience when I um, when I see your art. You know, I experience a sort of it's uh, it, it's familiar to me because there's a, a Jewish lens, but it's also different than than the way I was raised because I also was raised mother, modern Orthodox with you know I, I say often with like the do's and don'ts. You know, with the different don'ts, yeah. and it's rather day to day, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful life, but it's not mystical. It's not, um, it, and there, I always knew that there was an element to Judaism and to life that is magic. You know, like the fact that we're here, mm-hmm. even just like how we're talking, yeah. right? Like the fact that I'm talking to you from yesterday in a place where you used yeah. to live. Actually, yeah. have been holding my hand for a long time, and that time is this sort of made-up concept that now we get to actually interact. You know, like I've always known yes. that. That's that's being human, but it is a beautiful thing to um, to have found you and to hear some of the nuggets of Judaism that I. You know that I've that I've heard before. Just the the Hebrew itself, the Yiddish itself, the the touch points of um, the Sabbath and the the festivals and and all of that. But it is universal. These are universal truths, in my understanding. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, we each have our ancient texts or our wisdom that that we learn from. And they they have to be different because that's how we each draw down a different lens into the world, a different shade of light into the world so that we can make with our diversity and our different approaches this beautiful tapestry, which is life. We each have our own role to do in terms of elevating one another, elevating consciousness, elevating heart space and healing from different perspectives um, I, th- I love that you brought up the Pintele Yid, you know, the little Yid, but that's connected to the Yud, that, that the Yud, the Hebrew letter, which is really the starting point of all other letters. It's like a point of intention. The minute they say your pen, your quill hits the parchment, you've already created a Yud. So this idea as being that point of intention, that spark of light, that first instinct of an idea that comes to us. That's the yid or the yud that is inside each one of us. That is the spark of godliness, the intention of our soul, the godly intention that manifests through us. We each carry that yud inside. That's really the essence of this Jewish soul or this universal soul that we're speaking about that we each have. How do you carry forth that soul in your day to day? You know, like, what does the practice look like for you now? I'm sure it changes all the time, but what does it look like now? So I continue to learn, you know, I continue to learn through Rabbi Jacobson, and then I discovered other teachers who have informed my philosophy and way of life. And that's a, that's a big part of it, is to continue to be nourished and to fill up whoever your teacher is, whether it's a yoga studio or a teacher online or a, an in-person class to be nourished spiritually and, and to have your mind continually stimulated and your heart stimulated. 
The other aspect is, you know, through my family, through my children, I have to put all of these ideas into practice because it's all very nice and good for me to sit alone on my meditation cushion or to immerse myself in study and feel very connected and spiritual. But then when there's chaos downstairs and I've got three kids screaming at me and someone's hungry and I'm not organized and I, whatever the chaos of day-to-day life, how do you draw that spirit into the moment? I don't know and how. I don't know. I like. I think that it's right now for me, the resounding answer is by being present, really being present with each of my children and their needs and not resisting the moment that I'm in. You know, making a sandwich can be a spiritual practice. It's a gesture of love. It's a way of giving attention and and soothing to someone I care about. Um, having patience in the moment when all of that is unfolding and there's, I, you know, the, there's intensity in the home and how to take a deep breath with that and just uh, be highly attuned to what their soul is asking for in that moment. You know, they're not fighting because they, you know, they're, they're not fighting because they don't like one another. They're fighting because they want to be heard. They want to feel seen. They need their mother's attention. They need their sister's love, whatever it is in that moment. So trying to get to the heartbeat of each moment, despite the chaos around me in the home is another way of drawing this, this practice into reality. A third way is um, we have obviously in the Jewish cycle, many holidays and festivals, and we have Shabbat every week. And I'm very connected to those rituals. And I'm very connected to the ebb and flow of the Jewish calendar, including the lunar cycle and the Hebrew months. And I learn a lot about the energy of each month and what that reflects back to us in terms of our psych- psychology our personal healing and growth. So I'm, I try to really stay very in tune with, with Jewish time, with Hebrew time and look at the calendar and what's happening energetically or in the ether and reflecting that back to myself so that I can learn more about where I'm at and what I need to do to grow and heal. My gosh. Amazing. I'm like really, um, taken with the idea of making a sandwich is or can be a spiritual practice just that like or or drawing drawing forth patience in a moment where you're frazzled naturally normally who wants to be yelled at who wants to be in the midst of chaos who wants who wants to be in a rush no one it is so much quote unquote easier to tap into source energy when I'm eyes closed and repeating a mantra. It it really is. And thank God for that practice. And yeah, God, yes. you know, they say in the Vedas, like <laughs> we dip the wool in the dye and then let it dry. Dip our consciousness into source energy, ritual, learning, alone time, quiet, exercise, prayer. And then we let it dry in the sun and let it bake in. Baking in is those 
those tests, those moments? Can I, do I, do I wipe the butt with love? <laughs> do right. I wipe the butt with love? That's a real question. It's, a, it's totally yeah. understandable if I wipe the butt with, you know, like, let's just go. It's totally understandable. And if I really want to bake in that color of the dye, and by the dye, I mean that source energy, that God energy, that that expansive heart space. I wipe with love and maybe a sense of let's go. Yes. <laughs> to go. Yeah, absolutely. And a really essential part of all of that is how compassionate we are towards ourselves, how forgiving we are towards ourselves when we slip up in a moment, when we wipe the butt with urgency instead of with love, like that's also okay. It doesn't have to be like we're floating through life, although that would be nice, but like serene angels and the house is exploding and we're all zen and no, like. But the house never explodes. Yeah, (laughs) right. I'm going to shout back and I'm going to, get frazzled when I have to draw another picture as I'm trying to prepare dinner, as I'm trying to collect my thoughts for a podcast or what, whatever it is. But I think as we expand our capacity for self-compassion and for forgiveness, that uh, allowing that spaciousness, that inner love is what speaks louder than when we slip up, when we, you know, I move off the rails for a moment. You know, that that self-understanding and ability to hold ourselves and all parts of ourselves is the is the biggest example that we can give to our children. I have such a hard time with self-forgiveness and I love that you um brought it up as a spiritual practice and as like the conduit to spiritual motherhood, compassionate motherhood, conscious motherhood, like a good butt wipe, you know, (laughs) like if you want to make a great dinner, be nice to yourself. I mean, you just captured that completely. If you want to make a great dinner, be nice to yourself. If you want to be a great partner, be nice to yourself. If you want to be great mom, be nice to yourself. If you want to draw an amazing picture, be nice to yourself. It, it, it really shifts your whole perspective and eases this vibration that we have within, you know, the voice of the critic, which is so loud for some of us and so dominant in our lives. That is felt by the people around us. And, and when we can expand the voice of the heart, and that connection to intuition and that deeper wisdom and that deeper knowing, which tells us it's all right. Everything's okay. You're doing a great job. You know, keep showing up with love. When we can tap into that voice within that will speak volumes to the people around us and it will infuse into the meal, infuse into that moment that we share with our child on the play mat. It will infuse into our relationships. How did you come to that connection? Mm. I think um, years of therapy and work, you know, with a beautiful woman who is more like a mentor to me and who has guided that philosophy. 
And then once I understood it very clearly about how it plays out in my own mind and heart, where I'm critical towards myself, I'm a perfectionist. And, and that's one form of, of self-criticism, really. And so once I understood that mechanism within myself, I could really see it reflected in all of these spiritual teachings that we're talking about, these books that I was reading, the lessons that I was going to. And what I think is incredible is that motherhood has taught me to be more compassionate towards myself because if I'm having a moment of self-doubt or criticism, I can reflect back and ask myself, what would I do if my daughter came to me with this issue? What would I do if my daughter was having this problem or being a perfectionist or um, having a self-doubt? And how would I speak to her? What advice would I give her? And how can I then turn that inwards and start internally mothering myself from that voice and perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think also children are interesting because there's a lot that we say in our minds and then suddenly we say aloud when we're responding to our kids, you know, just the knee-jerk reactions, whether it's um, responding to something they're doing beautifully, responding to something they're doing when they're playing up or they're pushing our buttons. And we learn a lot about what's going on in, our, on in our mind when we hear ourselves and our instinctive responses to different situations. Yeah, that's true. I So I have always been so hard on myself, so hard on myself. And it, it always comes up in relationship that I'm really hard on other people too. And what's interesting is that the part of me that wants, the part of me that has always wanted to evolve and grow, always wanted to be kinder and more patient with collaborators, with my, my husband, who I love so much, with my children particularly. And it only is very recently that I connected like, and people have said this to me, my mother always said this to me, she's like, you know, people treat others the way they treat themselves. She always would say that to me. And I didn't really get it. Yeah. I didn't understand what she meant. She was like, she would always be like, oh, well, if they're hard, if they're hard on you, they're probably really hard on themselves. Yeah. And I didn't really understand. Mm, that's so wise. Mm. Sometimes it takes a long time to really hear what your mother was yeah, <laughs> trying to communicate, right? Yeah, funny? it's the baking in of the dye that you described. Sometimes it can take years to bake in, right? Particularly with the way um, be, having been mothered, because we're we're mothered all the time. We're dipped in the dye for so of that yes. dye for so long. Yes, yes. The individuation process of of soaking in the sun and letting it bake in is, is less so. Also because, you know, our mothers, our fathers, our teachers, they live in our minds. You know, when we're parenting, you know, sometimes that what I like, what I like to remember is that like the things that I say become their subconscious. Yes. 
not only, not only the things that I say, not only, but it's a big part of it. Huge, huge part of it. Absolutely. And, you know, this is essential for us to realize. And it, it points out that the best work we can do more than lip service to anything with our children is our own self-healing. And there's this quote, which I quote all the time and it's from Instagram. I don't know where it came from originally. A friend of mine, um, Amy Raup posted it, but it says, if we heal ourselves, we heal our children's children. So this work that we're doing to expand our own vessel of compassion within or to be more self-forgiving or to learn and grow spiritually, whatever pathway we're on that's nourishing, that is the biggest example we can set for our children and the, and the biggest gift we can give to them. You know, it's interesting that you say that because before logging on, I really had, I, I sort of giggled with Ashley, who's our, our producer today. And I was just like, I'm just so curious. Like, how do you stay connected and spiritual with three children? Oof. Because it is a lot of chaos. It's it's necessarily a lot of mess. Yes. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of chaos. It has to be that. And 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 now I'll ask you for real. Yeah. Creating art. And it, and the type of art that you create seems um of the heart and of the soul and it seems quiet and from what I can tell you're a sensitive soul. How do you how do you nourish yourself as an artist and as a spiritual being um it's it's hard i mean it's life is busy and full and thank god there are so many things that we each want to attend to and there's a limited number of hours in a day so I, the honest answer for me right now is i cannot do it all in the same moment right now you know two months ago, really, in the Hebrew month of Elul. It's right before our new year. And we're focused deeply on introspection, on reflection, on looking at where we've come over the past year. And I committed to painting that month. I really just felt this urge that I needed to tap into my soul by doing something that was fluid for me, doing something that allowed me to be in flow and sort of get out of the chatter of my mind and connect through a process. For someone else that might have been running or singing or dancing, for me it was painting. And so I allowed myself to really paint without any objective, without any uh, schedule or demand in mind. And it was the first time that I'd done that for a long time because usually right now, if I'm painting, it's because I have an illustration job. It's probably for someone else or it's for me to get a textile design out and there's an urgency and a structure and a deadline. And so it's a very different type of creativity. And, and I thought that that was a really beautiful experience, but I bring it up to say that was something I carved out space for during one month. You know, I don't have time to paint aimlessly every week of the year. If I devoted myself to that, it would mean that I couldn't study my Hebrew text and share that information on social media, or I couldn't lead my woman's circle that month, 
or I couldn't volunteer for the school tuck shop. So it, it is a balancing act and we have to have the broad perspective in mind rather than saying we can fit it all into a day or a week or a month. Look at the expanse of our year, look at the expanse of our life and know that there's a season for lots of different things. Right now, this is not my my season for painting aimlessly every day, but I could give myself a window of it. Yeah. Well, we we opened up the conversation with saying how much I value the balance that you present in the dark and the light. Yeah. The evenness. Yeah. And the non-avoidance of the harder things um, and the seeking solutions. You know, I think the balance is, I love the, and, and, and now I'm remembering, right? The dye and the, yeah. the sun, the dye and the sun, the dye and the sun, you know? It's like, that seems to be the theme yeah that we, we that we touch the ether and we wipe the butt right that, that is the gift of our human experience you captured it perfectly we cannot always be up here you know and and i'm putting my hand above my head for anyone who's listening we cannot always be in these lofty mystical realms you know exchanging ideas and concepts we have to draw them down into our lives that is our challenge that is our gift that is our opportunity in this earthly realm in this time that we have under the sun in this time we're given in our body and and especially in our relationships that's what's given to us how can I be present and deal with the messiness and the pain and the grief and the challenges of every day and yet still stay hopeful still stay connected to the divine whatever that connection is to me still stay in my faith and I think that what you're describing look some people are really black and white people and they like they they love finding a, a position and expressing that position, I'm definitely more of a gray person. And mm. I seek to understand different perspectives. I seek to hold different perspectives. And I think that social media, especially because we're expected or needed to give a position that's under 90 seconds long and to express that wholeheartedly, it's really sometimes difficult to express or to receive nuance and to not have a solution for something. I think we're in an age where people really want to present solutions, quick solutions, present their opinion that has to be very defined in a short capsule, a small capsule. And, and we lose in that space the ability to listen, to receive, to hold multiple narratives, to hold multiple perspectives. And so... I'm grateful that you reflect back that I hold both light and dark because it's something that I try to do. And I think there's been so much conflict in recent years, especially on social media and so much um, stark opinion holding that it's really, really important to sometimes say, I don't know, 
I'm willing to learn more. I'm willing to hear more. This is what I have. What can you bring to the table? I mean, that's the Gemara. That's the Talmud. That's the sacred text of the Jewish people where there's one line of Torah and literally pages and pages and pages of opinions. That is the special sauce. If if ever if anyone ever wondered what a Yiddish kop is, what a what a Jewish mind is, a Jewish mind is is understanding of multiple perspectives. I, I genuinely believe that part of the reason why I'm so curious about different walks of life, why I could sit with you and hold the um the beauty of like a, a Jewish priestess and I can sit with, uh, you know, a, a, like a devout Christian and uh, a Muslim. And like, I could, I could hold the greatness of all is partially because of my Jewish upbringing, because I genuinely yeah. see all of it. I see all perspectives. And sometimes that can be really confusing for me. I mean, as an actress, yeah. it works. Yeah. As an actress, it works. Like I could play yeah. the villain very, you know, and and find the humanity in that. I could play whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you're right. When when I'm asked to give my opinion on something, I don't necessarily know, or that I can see all sides because of the way I was educated, right? Because of this modern Orthodox education, this the Talmud. Questions after questions yeah. after questions. That's what we are raised uh, learning. <laughs> like how to ask questions. Yes, yes. And look, you naturally have a beautiful passion and curiosity for the human experience and for knowing and understanding people. And that's something that's so beautiful and unique and, and so alive within you, so vibrant. Um, but I do think that there is this aspect of, of Judaism which teaches us to seek more than what's just in front of us, and that can be a divine seeking, but it's also finding the divine within every person, within every experience, within every pathway that we take in our lives. What's the life force energy in this moment? What's the vibrance in this moment? What's the beauty in this person what's the beauty in this flower you know it's this like trying to reveal more than what's on the surface and that's a passionate quest and and that's what happens in the Gemara when they're you know these texts when they're arguing and they're trying to find an answer and and trying to say but no but there's another answer here and there's something deeper here and let's look at it from this side and and this is how you're really approaching your entire life I want to understand the gem in this person, the gem in this situation, the beauty in that character, the depth of that moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I do find a lot of um, joy, even in the con, even in like the, the intellectual conflict. I do not find any joy in like gross manifest conflict. Please no. Like I just have no interest in that. But I do, I, I love, I love when ideas rub up against each other. Ideas that I even hold true for myself, um, that I can hold like the gray, the black and the white. Um, and I find, I find that you do that really beautifully. There are times when 
you know, things flare up, you know, in, in Israel, let's say, or when there's like recently with, um, with some of the anti-Semitism that's been flaring up. And I, I do find that you take a breath and you somehow find the words. And, and as you um, sort of replied back to me, like, it's unfortunate that I need to find the words at all, but I do, I do yeah. find that you, um, I, I do find that you find them and I'm grateful for that. I really am. Mm -hmm. And the images and the images, I yeah. just really Thank value you. that in you. Yeah. You know what? Thank God. I feel like this community that we have in, in the online space, I trust that everyone um, is is showing up with their heart and showing up with a curiosity to understand and to learn. And so I try to speak to that um, from my heart and trust that if it's something that's genuine and truthful and honest, that it will reverberate where it needs to. But yes, on, online is it, it's difficult because you, you know you just have to put it there out and, and trust that it reaches who it's meant to reach and trust that it opens the minds and the ears of the people who who it can. Well, I'm I'm really genuinely grateful for your moderate, feminine, open-hearted voice and um, and your work in the world. And I have been for so long. Yay. I have been from yesterday to Thank tomorrow so across the yes. world. And continuing, continuing, continuing. May this only be the beginning of many of these beautiful conversations. I mean, you exude such light and such joy and such enthusiasm. And yeah, it's it's a joy to witness, and I, and I hope to see you on the stage one day as well. Hey, amen, amen, amen. Where can we find you? Um, you mentioned a monthly women's circle that I want to be a part of. Tell us all the things, please and please. So, uh, okay, so you can find me on Instagram, Michaela underscore Ezra, and on my website, Michaela Ezra, or for my brand, Ayin Judaica, A-H-Y-I-N, Judaica.com. I have a mailing list and I am very uh, organic with that, let's say. It doesn't, it's not like a regular monthly email. It's when the inspiration hits. In, in Sydney, I've started a women's circle every month to talk about the energy of the month. It's an in-person circle, but I hope to bring that to the online space. Uh, perhaps we can discuss how that, that could happen. And, you know, that's the best way to keep up with, with the regular, the regular day-to-day, -day, uh, writings and expressions and, um, information. And I'm writing a children's book. It's called Magic Little Light. And it's about exactly what we were talking about this, the spark of divine, this soul that's within everyone and how we, come to know that. I can't wait to read it. I'm just so glad that we connected, that you were patient with my technical issues, um, and that you exist in the world, really. Thank you. I hope one day we get to hug. I want to be part of that circle. I've never been to Australia. Well, you're welcome anytime. And thank you so much for having us. Thank you for your open-hearted questions and 
your kindness and your genuine, you know, vibrance that comes through with everything. It's been such a beautiful, beautiful hour together. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening, friends. You can always contact me at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. I love hearing from you. Um, if you want to bring Michaela over from Australia, let's get that party yeah. started. Let's do it. I know. Beautiful. Uh, we should just like throw a party in the West Village. Don't you think? I'm up for that. That's amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing? I, 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 you know what? I just, yeah, I, I can't even tell you how much I wish we'd known each other when we were there, but I'll, all in the right time. Mm-hmm. As they say. Yes. Yes. All right, guys, that was enough Yiddish and Hebrew for your day. Thank you and thank you. Be well. 